0: When you first got to first team rugby at age 17, who was the first person to kick your butt? What was that kind of moment when you realized, man, this is a whole different level of competition?
1: Yeah, um, I think for me, it was when you walk into the change rooms before the game and uh, you see all the players that you've been training with and, and thinking, you know, hell, I've got to actually perform now. And you put it on your kit and your captain pulls you aside and says, hey, you've got to responsibility to everybody else and also yourself you know um it's a big game for us and yeah that's when you realize like for me I just had to pump my chest out and and get on with it and take that on the on the chin but um when that level of responsibility of you know being young but in being in the squad for a reason because you're you know I've always said it and everyone always says it you know if you're if you're old enough you're good enough or you're good enough you're old enough and um and that for me was Something where I soon soon realized that I had a lot of responsibility for 22 other guys, you know. So, so yeah, big responsibility, and and he definitely did kick my butt during the game as well, you know. Um, <laughs> if I was slacking off, man, he would just that slap on the back, you know. You you don't even have to turn around, and know who it is, and he's like, hey, come on, brother, I know you can do better than that. But um, but yeah, I, I really appreciated that, and um, there was another game actually um, when I was you know I was was young, we were playing. I'm from a small town called tiverton, um, um, and we played against Barnstable and um we were playing <laughs> we were playing a big cup game up there, and um I was playing against I was playing fullback and I was playing against a, a winger who was playing for Devon and played for Southwest. and um I, I was confident, so the ball came to me out of the sky. I <laughs> stepped in him and went round him, and uh, you know that felt pretty awesome. and, and then about five minutes later, the same sort of thing happened. He was rushing up on me and and the guy who was playing in the center just all like said to me, go on, do it again. And um, i had done it. And he picked me up and he dumped me on my shoulder. So yeah. um, <laughs> that was like a welcome to first team, man. I'll let you do it once, but um, I'm not, not going to let you do it twice.
2: It always feel like I need one more boy. One more line, record the track, just one more time. My family think I bumped my head. Lost my mind, ensuring them. I'm just fine, I'm good enough, but I need one more boy. One more line, record the track, just one more time. My family think I bump my head. Lost my mind, ensuring them. I'm just fine, I'm good enough, but I need one more boy one more line record the track just one more time my family think i bought my head lost my mind and them. i'm just fine i'm good enough, I'm just fine, I'm good enough. but you'll be told i need some therapy initially ain't do it
0: voluntarily but now i got a legacy all right welcome to another brand new episode of the team player podcast episode number 41 we are making team player podcast history y'all we are welcoming our first guest who is coming to us live and on location let alone not just another country, but another continent. <laughs> he he's originally from the small market town in Devon in the southwest corner of England, but now he calls the beautiful South Island of New Zealand his home. Welcome, Stephen Cochran to the show. Welcome, Coach.
1: Ah, uh, thank you, Coach. It's awesome to be here. And uh, you know, I think the one appeal for me being on your show is that it's it's very lighthearted, but also yes. you know, it's you ask some great great questions. So yeah, thank you.
0: Thank you so much, Coach. We're glad you're here. And if you're a part of the team player movement, please make sure you've given us a five-star review. We've got over 40 on Spotify and close to 30 on Apple Podcasts. It's not bad for a small little show like ours. It's a little one-man operation, but we're having a good time. We've got some great guests. So please give us the five-star review. And if you want to leave a written review, I I read those on the show. So we've gotten several of those as well. You can hit the follow button to subscribe and get a new episode in your queue every Sunday at 2 p.m. We will be honored if the Team Player Podcast made it into your rotation. And I'm your host, James Kovaleski. You can follow me on Twitter at Coach underscore Kovo. That's Coach underscore K-O-V-O. Now, this is not our first ever rugby guest. You're our second rugby guest. Way back in episode 16, Pat Abernathy came on. He ended up winning a state championship in the state of Colorado uh, here in the United States. But I know he's such a fan of the game, and I know he he's going to love this episode. He is going to love this episode, Stephen. I cannot wait to hear your perspective. But you, let's talk about your early life. You're like I said, you were, you were born in Tiverton that's Southwest England. What I'm seeing about 175 miles Southwest of London. So maybe mm-hmm. from what I was looking up four hours, give or take by a car. And then uh, what yeah. I love about England under three hours by high speed rail. And Oh my goodness. I love your <laughs> rail system. That's where you guys got us beat. So you have us beat hands down. I just love that rail system, but let's talk about Tiverton coach. Just, just talk about your memories of growing up in a small market town. As you described it, it just, it seems like just a, a fairy book location.
1: Yeah, so Tiverton, for me, was somewhere, obviously, I grew up feeling very, really, really comfortable, and, you know, like everybody else, I went to uh, high school, I made lots of friends, and who ended up being my, my friends through rugby as well, and I was lucky enough to go on my rugby journey through through Tiverton Rugby Club, and, um, you know, and then further a few with, with some of my friends as well, which was great, and, um, you know, having your friends... You know, play rugby with you that you can share school with, but also rugby stories and, and rugby memories with, right up from the age of 11 and having your dad as a coach as, <laughs> as, as well is, is, is pretty awesome. And um, I'm very lucky to have had that kind of grounding um, and upbringing where all my friends were, you know, um, active, they were inclusive, but also, you know, great fun to be around as well.
0: And that part of the, that part of the country, like I, I, we talked about before the show, I've been to Bath and that's actually where I proposed to my wife. You know, we, we went to the, yeah, uh, that old
1: location, yeah,
0: the old Roman bathhouse there. And just, yeah. uh, Thermae Bath Spa is what it was called or where we actually were at, but, uh, beautiful, yeah. beautiful, beautiful city. So kind of not necessarily close to where you're from, but in the same region, yeah. I, I guess you could say.
1: Yeah. For sure. In the Southwest. Yeah, for sure. And, um, and I think, um, for us, you know, we have. Places like Exeter, Bristol, Plymouth, Bath—all um, great cities in their own right—and um, and you know, for for tourists, they're awesome places to go because we have so much history in those. And um, they're definitely places where I played a lot of club rugby around. Um, when you know you're going up through the leagues and you're play, <laughs> you're playing teams from Bristol and Bath and, and in the cup games or league games, you know that uh, the intensity is going to going to bring it to you there as well. You know, the the cup from a different creed and, and around those those sort of places. So yeah tough guys tough guys
0: yeah no and it, as our long-time listeners know i my hobby is collecting jerseys so we can't see it we're going to yeah. see it when i release the still photo but i'm wearing my bath rugby jersey which i know you said you're an exeter chiefs fan now but originally you were a bath rugby fan so i thought that was pretty cool yeah
1: for for sure and i always followed bath and um, you know a couple of my favorite players used to be jeremy gusker and phil de glanville and um, mm. you know for me those guys were a center of partnership but uh they just made the game look so easy, and um, and I, and I, you know, Bath for me being a little bit local, always had that West Country feel about it—a small sure. ground, you know, with open stands on one side. Yes. So come rain or shine, when you're watching them as well, you know, you get the heavens open on you. You've got nowhere to go, but that's the whole whole great thing about watching uh, rugby live and in a really sort of like small and enclosed ground.
0: And I know sometimes we Americans can be kind of get a bad reputation of being so insular and only focused on ourselves. But I really I love I love England so much and the entire UK really. So I, I do follow the premiership as best that I can just to kind of keep a little yeah. bit of tabs what's going on. But I've really also I like the BBL. And I don't know if that's something you follow, but it's the British Basketball League. Uh, I went to yeah. a game at the Copper Box in London and really enjoyed it. But anyhow, following that team, I kind of adopted the Plymouth Raiders which are now called called Plymouth City Patriots. But that's, again, kind of in your your area there in southwest England. But, uh, yeah, I I love English sports. To me, the fans in England are unparalleled. I love the chants and the camaraderie and showing up at the pub afterwards. I mean, can you just describe the – I'll just never forget. One other game I went to, Coach, was I went to uh, Twickenham, and I saw the Harlequins host uh, uh, Gloucester. I hope I'm pronouncing Mm. that correctly. But uh, Gloucester came into town, and we went to the Harlequins game, and I just – I just remember that long walk up to the stadium through the city and it was just such an electric atmosphere. Everybody was having a good time, you know, all having a couple of drinks for the game and I just thought it was such great sporting culture. So for our American listeners, can you just describe what English sporting culture is like?
1: Yeah. I think the first thing to mention is that um, in rugby games in particular, you know, all the fans sit together, whether you support Gloucester or Harlequins in your case, they sit together, they have a joke, they have a beer together yeah. during the game and afterwards as well. Um, Soccer is a little bit more, football's a little bit more divided, but sure. one of the main things I think creates that atmosphere in English, English sports stadia and, and sports games is that the fans are so close to the pitch. You know, there's not a lot of, not a lot of space between the pitch and the, and the crowds and um, you really feel that kind of really intense atmosphere and, and one of the, the teams that I follow um, in football with Everton and um, yeah. their pitch, their, their stadium is one of the oldest in the Premier League now. And um, I think it's about 40,000 and you can literally feel the stadium shaking and, 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 and rocking when, when the place is buzzing and it's absolutely deafening in there. And, um, and I think, you know, you guys have massive crowds. for I'm, I'm always amazed by the amount of fans that go and see college football games, not just the NFL, sure, but sure. college football games. And I am astounded by it. And um, but you, you guys are a little bit more re- removed, but still create a great atmosphere. And for us, it's about that hostility sometimes and that encompassing environment that creates a little bit of intimidation for opponents as well sure. when you're in there. So, um, but, but, but English fans love their sport, love Absolutely. their sport and very social events. So.
0: Yeah, speaking of football, or what in America we call soccer, I, I did go to a Queen Park, uh, Queen's Park Rangers game is what I went to and the uh, visiting team was from the north they were Huddersfield town and uh, I'll never forget I love the chants that y'all do I could just hear them screaming the whole time you're a bunch of soft southern bastards (laughs) that's what they were just screaming the whole time and I just
1: I just loved it some some of the chants are off the scale man and they're probably not for radio or podcast or you know um I can put the exp- I put, I'm gonna
0: put the E on this one since I said the bastard there but it's okay we 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 yeah. don't go too crazy but that's a that's a little one
1: <laughs> Yeah man for sure for sure and um you know some of the chants that I definitely can't say on on the show sure, um sure. are so are so funny you literally sit back and you listen to the chants and you're killing yourself laughing man like I, and you're Steve, just, Steve, I I've, I've got the one the more for you
0: I've got one more for you. Yeah. I saw the NFL you know came to London uh Wembley Yeah another yeah, game
1: now, yeah. yeah and
0: it was the Packers playing the New York yeah. Giants and I saw a bunch of Giants fans their chant was basically take that cheese and shove it up your
2: <laughs> that was the <laughs> chant they were, they were doing all I the cheese at
0: Packers fans so I oh man. It, man such good times but anyhow so you, you you grew up in Tiverton you went through the whole system your dad was your coach but then for college you uh stayed in Tiverton you went to East Devon College Uh, again rugby again was your passion it was your massive obsession for you and you played for the you played in college but then also for the tibberton rugby club all club all the way up to age 32 so can you describe just that the i think maybe for our listeners we have a different we have high school college maybe professionals can can you describe what the pathway is for an an english rugby player
1: yeah sure yeah i I think you um you know it's changed now since i was playing but but I guess it, it all starts from school you You mm. play and represent your school, um, and then you're playing for a probably a junior setup club, which was just across the road for me. Um, and then when you get to around about sixteen you're off to college normally or or somewhere around there, still playing for your club, but you know by that time you've probably been been either scouted or spotted by for me Devon, um, like your region or your mm. county, and then it goes southwest and and then representing all those regions as well. But from my hometown club, I was so happy to be playing with my friends who made the transition with me as well. We, we stayed playing for our first team, you know, our Prem side, if you like, um, for 10 years. You know, I managed to, to gain 260 appearances for, for our, our first team. And, wow. and going up through the second team as well with all of my friends when we were youngsters, um, it's that transition from junior rugby to, to senior rugby that you know, it really creates the memories for you and, and you hold on to it. And when I left Tiverton at thirty two, it it was <laughs> to go um to London to work and play for Crawley and Kingston and, you know, other other places. For me, I left a part of my soul at Tiverton Rugby Club yeah, and true. I recently went back for a month from New Zealand for the first time in four, four and a half years and to have a few beers with the yeah. guys that are now 40 and 43 like me and you know around that age group yeah. it's, it's so weird going back but
0: so nice absolutely and then I'm really curious you know you said it, so, it sounds like you kind of made the move from Tiverton at 32 but now you're in New Zealand Sounds like there was yeah. a stop in London in between but how did you end up well, going across the pond there <laughs> yeah all the way to yeah. New Zealand uh, multiple ponds I suppose <laughs> you know how did yeah, you how did you, yeah, how did you get there so. coach
1: yeah, so um, like like I, I just said, I, I was 32 and I, I um, applied for a job in London. You know, quite a prestigious job, or in a prestigious club. And lucky enough, I I got that job, and so I moved up to Crawley first of all, and then into Kingston. And um, I held that job for about six years. And like I said, it was it was a great job for me because it gave me you know a big team to manage, but also meant that I could develop my skills, um, my confidence, my leadership. Um, and also being in an environment where, you know, professional athletes were, So I've got a strength, strength and conditioning background and personal training background as well. So it allowed me to work with athletes up close and personal and get to know them. And, and that's what now as a tran- transformation per- performance mindset coach. That's what I tapped into to be able to give me that base of, you know, the psychology of athletes as well. So I got to 39 and. And I thought, well, now's the time I'm going to do it. I've never been to New Zealand, but I've been to Australia, you know, three, four times. And um, I knew that my personality suited uh, Australia and, you know, the Southern Hemisphere. And so I took a month off work. I went traveling to New Zealand, loved it so much and came back, applied for jobs. And six months later, I was I was out here working as a as a gym manager and a personal trainer and I transitioned into that performance mindset
0: coach that has always fascinated me so oh man that, that is, is so route. cool that is so cool and I and you live on the southern island which is the from and correct yeah. me correct if i'm wrong on any of this but i believe it's the bigger but less less populated i mean i've definitely heard of auckland correct. and wellington which are on the northern island but correct. from everything i've heard you're where you're at is kind of like the game of thrones kind of landscape i mean is, is that is that accurate at all or is that just what i'm imagining yeah. or what's it like living on the south island
1: yeah, for sure, man. We we get a lot of film crews down in in yeah. Queenstown, you know, because we've got the Southern Alps. But um, it's beautiful. It's so picturesque, and when you fly into Queenstown, you've got all of the mountains and the hills uh, to fly in between, and the plane goes up on its side, and it's just so picturesque down here. And I'm lucky to live in a place called Wanaka, um, which has only got I say only but eleven thousand people living it, but it's growing all the time, and. Oh, man, the, the work-lifestyle balance that everyone talks about is certainly just here. Um, and I certainly appreciate where I am, appreciate where I am. And, you know, now I've got to work hard to be able to maintain to live here because it's quite expensive to live here. <laughs> oh,
0: oh, oh, I can imagine. Uh, I can imagine for sure. And now let's – w- one thing i got to ask you, and I asked – again, th- forgive my ignorance, you know, being an American, not being as exposed to as much rugby. We do have the uh, Major League Rugby now. So Houston, where I live,
1: we do have a team, the Houston
0: Sabercats. I've been to our pitch. It's beautiful, Aviva Stadium. But my question that I asked Pat Abernathy, and he gave me his answer, but I'd love to hear your answer. I mean, you're actually, you grew up in this. The differences between rugby league and rugby union, and I'll just kind of give you my novice interpretation. And The thing that I see here in the United States, our professional league, it's all rugby uh, union. There's very Mm -hmm. little rugby league being played here. But from what I understand, rugby league is more in the northern part of the UK. You know, maybe northern England and Scotland, more popularity.
1: Yeah, northern England for sure. Um, There is um, southern teams now. Um, But, yeah, definitely, you know, that's where it originated for us. And that's where the popularity is. And, you know, they're they're tough northern lads that play that game. (laughs) And um, it's such a physical game. Okay, that's what I'm curious about,
0: Coach. That's what I'm curious. Like, what are some of the differences – so you're saying it's kind of more physical. Is is there a certain reason for why that is, like differences in the rules or what? Well, what's what's the yeah. cause for more physicality?
1: So so rugby union players are physical. They're they're beasts themselves, you know. Um, and the collisions that happen are massive. Um, but you know, there's a bit more stop start in rugby union. A um, bit more tactics and and um, you know uh, percentage of play um, that you've got to consider with that. Rugby league is you get you know. Uh, six tackles and you get handovers, but also every single collision collision is on every single tackle. Right. Um, and, and and you know, to break a line, so you have rugby league where you've got 13 players that are all lined in a row pretty much, but from the fullback, to break a line, you've got to have that skill set to really identify the gaps. To, you know, gaps that you've got to exploit at speed sure. as well. Um, so it's a great skill to play rugby, rugby league. And a lot of rugby league players, well, quite a few transition to rugby union um, in different positions. So, you know, we had a famous um, rugby league player called Jason Robinson, who, you know, used played for Wigan, one of the most successful rugby league right. teams that we have over here. And he transitioned into a fullback because um, he had pace, he had vision. You know, he was tough, he was strong. And um, he ended up winning the World Cup in 2003 with the rugby union team england rugby union team and probably one of our best fullbacks actually we've have ever had so the transition is tough for rugby rugby league players because you've got so many positional plays to remember um and yeah so rugby league and rugby union have both fascinating aspects to them both
0: and and, and both both versions have similarities to american football you know the, the physicality the, the, the sure. object of getting the ball across the try line or the goal line in our case for so sure. i see that but what uh, Pat was telling me is that rugby league may actually be more similar to what an American viewer would understand from football. He just, he's kind of described maybe just the way that, it, cause I've been to rugby union games with the Harlequins and I have to admit, I was a little confused, even, uh, you know, Sabercats games, like some of the rules, it doesn't, it's maybe not quite uh, intuitive for an American football fan. Would you yeah. agree with that assessment that maybe uh, rugby league is sure. similar? And why is that? Well, sure. What, what is similar me. about it?
1: So, so rug, rugby league has um, kind of same same rules, you know. Yeah. Um, it's <laughs> you have your first downs or whatever it might first be. First downs. That's what he seven, said
0: as well. Yes. Interesting. Yeah.
1: So you got your, you got your six tackles as a rugby league player. So exactly the same. You got six tackles to make something happen. I see. And get as far up the pitch and try and score as possible. A rugby union, you've got a lot more tactical kicking. Yes. Um, yes. You've got a lot of offsides. A lot more scrums that are contestable. Um, So you see in American football, when when you have the snap, you know, they're contestable through the players, but the ball's already in the the quarterback's hands, whereas in scrums, they're very competitive. And there's so many rules and offside rules and rules around that scrummage area. um, That's, you know, that's what makes it a bit different. It's a bit more technical, um, a little bit bit more passage of play kind of um, format to it. And like like I said, a lot of tactics, a lot of, a lot of kicking and um, yeah, for an American football fan, they would feel it very stop start and no flow to a game, whereas Rugby League has that flow like an American football game.
0: Interesting. And I, I've always wondered why we haven't chosen to choose Rugby League as our version in America, just because I think maybe it would attract more fans potentially. But then yeah. I also understand that Rugby Union is more prevalent across the world. So it only makes sense if we want to really compete at the World Cup level. We need to learn union i would imagine
1: yeah and i I think rugby league is very similar to american football i I do see it very similar and and i think if you're going to play rugby league if there wasn't a a rugby league league in in the usa sure Sure. then um you know transition to an american football player vice versa would be quite easy so
0: are there other internationally speaking outside of northern england are there other countries, be it New Zealand or Australia, that do play rugby league or prefer rugby league? Or is it all unions yeah. across the globe?
1: No, rugby league is massive in New Zealand. And um, the NRL in Australia, you know, we have one rugby league team, New Zealand Warriors, that play in the NRL, which is um, the Australian basically um, rugby league, um, national yeah. rugby league. Um, so the Warriors play all the Australian teams. and everything. So it is massive here. And I'd probably even say on a par, with Rugby Union as popularity. Um, so Rugby League, Rugby Union, obviously we have the All Blacks, um, but, you know, the, the Kiwis at Rugby League are pretty awesome as well. And, uh, you know, so they're fighting for that title, I think. So,
0: Well, Coach, thank you for humoring me with all my questions. I just find it fascinating that you have two offshoots of the same game. I just find that so fascinating. Yeah. I, I appreciate yeah. you taking the time to explain to me, but let's talk about what you're doing now. You said you have, you know, you have the coaching background of rugby and also strength conditioning background. Yeah but now you've moved into performance mindset coach. And so you're yes. the first of my guests. My guests have all been more of the traditional coaching a team. So you're the first sure. one that I've had that, you know, you have that experience but now you're also doing performance mindset coaching. So for all my listeners yeah. who are a mixture of coaches and parents and fans, can you mm. explain what it is that you do and that that way that way they can understand maybe if this can complement what they're doing in their program or it be something that could assist their kids in their development.
1: For sure. And You know, I work with so I work with three or four different kind of um, what should I say divisions of of performance mindset and and to give an overview, performance mindset for me is 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 trying to get to the best performances that you can produce consistently and that might be you know you might be a junior athlete that has you know an open pathway in front of them and and have been identified as someone that has the potential to go you know really really far in the sport and. um, you know, junior athletes, because they are junior, they haven't de- developed the mindset of having that growth mindset and, and getting out of their comfort zones and, and trying to leave that fixed mindset as to where it is. Now, fixed mindset is massive, you know, in juniors, athletes, coaches, parents, um, for one thing. And and the, the best thing about a fixed mindset is that it keeps you true to your core values. Now you never want to lose that. And, and ideally you can grow those, but you never want to lose those foundations of that fixed mindset around your core values because it, makes you who you are and I deal with personalities in sports whether they're amateur or professional athletes I see them as a personality and an individual personality so I want to know what makes them tick so I work on journeys four six twelve months with clients and I take the holistic approach to say hey what's your emotional tie to this sport why is it that you play it what got you started but also what is it you want to get out of it what is your motivation and why um, and then you build how are you going to get to where you want to go? What are your goals? what are your dreams? Is it realistic but and if it, and if it is, how can we map out a plan for you to then be have the confidence to achieve those goals? Um, and that's what I find fascinating that every client of mine is different and and I work with parents as well because parents they don't want to be that overbearing parent who's trying to live their sports with their kid, so they come to me and asking hey I don't want to be like this but I really want to support my child and bus where I can you know how do I do that and a lot of it is around communication um a lot of it is around you know understanding where the kid's mindset is and and why they play the sport um but also a great supportive parent might be as we know kids play six seven sports at school these days so Mm -hmm. a a great supportive parent might be just having clean clothes and a sandwich before they go to their next practice but also discussing how they felt playing the game over dinner in a really open way and and using terminology that allows a kid to express themselves rather than yes no answers and i must answer it like this or i must behave like this um and, and with the coaches the same how do i communicate with junior athletes how do i communicate with you know, really great athletes that are in a team and are performing. How do I get more out of them? How how do I get the best out of them? So my job is fascinating on those scales, and and I use a lot of sports psychology tools. But you know, I'm not a sports psychologist. I'm qualified in or certified in sports psychology and neurolinguistic programming, which helps me to communicate with people in different ways. But for me, it's about the performance and and giving their best performance in their sport, their life, and relationships or careers whatever it might
0: be that's that's so great that I'm so happy that you brought that up with the parents aspect because I was going to ask like obviously you're working with with athletes but I I was Mm. about to ask you do you work with parents and the reason I ask is I always ask on this show I've I do this show because I love coaches I think they make a difference in kids lives I know you've experienced it coming through Tiverton and playing for your dad I know that had to be so awesome for you those formative years but I don't know what it's like in other countries, but in the US, I see a lot of really bad sporting behavior from parents mm-hmm. and whether it's directed at their children, opponent children, coaches, officials. There have been some officials that have been physically assaulted in some news stories here recently. Yeah. Youth yeah, sports. Sure. I almost feel like people struggling through that. And I'm not saying this to be coy or funny or anything, but I think that there is some unresolved emotional baggage just leading to that behavior. And so it's almost to the point where I do believe Maybe some parents that are struggling with how to best be a supportive parent may need some kind of uh, someone to talk to. And so I'm really yeah. glad that you offer that service. So my question to you is, though, you know, what what ad, what advice would you give to a parent if, if there is someone listening to the show and they they understand, like you're saying, like, man, I'm just getting so angry at these games. Like, how can I get just can you give some advice or and obviously maybe, you know, um, joining you as a, as a client could be a, a big first step. But what overall advice would you give the to a parent to understand how to best be a sports parent and, and give their kids a rewarding athletic experience?
1: Yeah. So I would say, first of all, um, you know, listen, listen to your kid. Like when they're, when they come home from a game on a Saturday and Sunday and they've either had a great game or a bad game by their standards, like they're judging themselves already, you know, and, and the coaches put it up like, Said, hey, like it's okay. You've done really well. You played to your best performance. You know, listen and understand why the kid has enjoyed that game. You know, it's not all about scoring goals or you've been the MVP of that game or whatever it might be. It's about why the kid plays that game and what keeps him going back, and also what he loves about the training and the games. Mm-hmm. But when they have a bad performance, like really rephrase sometimes your communication. To them, So instead of saying, hey, you're awesome at this today, I, I would say, oh man, like the way you did this today, and be specific with what you're pointing out. So they know that you actually watched that game and they saw you saw them doing something, one particular thing, great. So they're saying, hey, you had a great game. Man, I love the way you chased that opponent today. You know, you're oh. getting really good at that. You're progressing with this, you know, um, yeah. and use really progressive terminology. But also watch your body language. When you're when you're a parent or a coach, kids pick up on body language so much, man. So you nice. can say, Hey, you had a great game, but then just turn away and not say anything right, else. Right. And the kid will be like, Oh, yeah, what did I do well? Like, where was I good? Or, you know, why did you say that? And um and I think for parents that's key as well, to over breakfast or dinner, just be really open and ask them questions and just listen, man. Just listen.
0: Coach, I love that. And I imagine you have, you have you know, clients all over Wanaka, but I'm sure with the advance and we do everything virtually now, I mean, I'm talking to you here from Houston, Texas, and you're in New Zealand. I yeah, imagine you have American clients or American clients that are interested can, can work with you or, or do you, do you st- solely do uh, local clients?
1: No, definitely they can. And um, that's the, the best thing about Zoom for me is people in other jobs find Zoom very removed and, and, and impersonal. Whereas I see clients obviously in my office and, and over Zoom. And this to me is a screen between me and you. So I don't think you can get any more personal than that, um, unless you're one-on-one with me in my office or wherever it might be. So, you know, this will be confidential. It will be about you. And And one thing I try to bring to every session is that I'm present and I make it all about you. You know, I might give examples of my experiences, to tell you, hey, this is how I did it, maybe we should approach it differently. But also for me, it's about getting the end results so of parents that maybe, you know, are thinking of working with a coach or don't know who to go to to kind of get a bit of guidance to support their kids a little bit better, is just to be there and be with somebody who's gonna ask questions about you and what it is you feel are the barriers to communicate properly with your kids or you know, going to a game and feeling really uptight and really angry and you want to shout. Mm-hmm. But actually, what is it that makes you feel like that? And how sure. can you express yourself differently?
0: Absolutely. Now, and just for our listeners, if anyone is interested, what, how would they reach you? What's the best way to go about a next step if, if they didn't want to talk about a performance mindset coach?
1: Yeah, sure. Thank you. Um. So basically, if they jump on my website, which is www.athleticmindset.nz, um, and fill in a contact form there. Um, otherwise, I'm on Facebook as Athlete Mindset, Mind, uh, Athlete Mindset Limited. Um, they can reach me there. And, you know, as for anyone listening that, that wants just a little bit of guidance, um, I'm quite happy to for you guys to give me a call, and I'll give you a free 30-minute breakthrough session wow. where you can discuss anything yeah. you're struggling with. And And it's literally that. There's no obligation. It's just about me trying to give you some tools that you can use because – being a parent, being a coach, being an athlete is hard, man. Mm-hmm. So so if I can help you in any way and give you just one golden nugget that you can take away, then I'd love to do that.
0: Well, there you go. So a Team Player podcast, 30-minute consultation. There we go. So just just get, reach out to Coach. Let him know you, you heard about him on Team Player. and That, that sounds great. I'll be sure to put all of that contact information in the show notes as well so anyone can reach out. And Coach, thank you for sharing all that. But for the last part of the show, we like to have just a little bit of fun here. Some of the fun sure. stories that you shared, uh, you know, you said you were lucky enough to have spent a couple of hours with Steve Hansen. Now, a lot of us may not know this, but I know Pat Abernathy's going to know everybody that you're talking about, but you spent some time with Steve Hansen, former all blacks coach. And even I know the all blacks, that is the creme de la creme of, of rugby, but he yeah. was a uh, coach from 2011 to 2019, a world cup winning coach here in Wanaka, uh, And you've met Johnny Wilkinson, who was your role model growing up a world cup winner in 2003 they are both fascinating guys. do so you want to talk about those little brushes of fame that, that you got to have?
1: Yeah. I, and I, I hate name dropping, but those are the two that are like my, you know, as a coach, you look up to people like Steve Hansen and, and, and I'm lucky enough to have caught up with him with another coach that I worked with. Um, I coached the upper of Colts under 21. Um, and me and Mark, the other coach um, or the head coach, we, we were lucky enough to spend an hour and a half with Steve Hansen, just picking his brains and, it was the most informal conversation, but so many golden nuggets. And you know, for me, I took ah oh, pages and pages away. But there was two or three things that I could implement straight away. And and I think one of the biggest things I took away. Um um, and there's a great book called Legacy, um, which is about the All Blacks philosophy and psychology, is that um, better men make better All Blacks. And um mm-hmm. for me, if I went back to my under 21s and said, hey, better people. Make yeah. better under 21s or cults, you know, um, but for the other people around us, that's one thing I took away from him. But Steve Hanson, I'm not going to give away all his secrets, but, sure. you know, his clarity that he uses and his input that he has had with the All Blacks team, he would then just trust the captains and all of the leadership group to take it on from the Thursday, Friday, and say nothing probably until the Saturday, which was a five minute talk. So it was all about the squad, all right. about the people. Um, and, you know, expecting them to be in that collective together and putting on the all-black shirt was an honor and leaving it in a better place for the next person who's going to take the number shirt, 11 shirt, whatever it's going to be. Leave it in a better place. And those are the things I took from him. And Johnny Wilkinson, for me, the athlete was primed mentally and physically to the best of his ability. Uh, so tough on the pitch, so mentally tough in tough situations that he just fascinated me, and the fact that he was the same age as me, and I watched yeah. him through the career. I wanted to be like him. Um, never quite made it to his standard, but um, but um, I, I managed to catch up with him at a at a um, you know fundraising for for a guy who was made unfortunately paraplegic through an injury in rugby. Um, and I only caught up with him for about five ten minutes, but it was just so inspirational to right. to listen to how he dealt with those tough moments. Um, and if he, and if he, you know, right now he's got a podcast um, out where he talks about his mental challenges and, and it's fascinating to actually feel back to girls and realize he wasn't that mentally, his mental health wasn't that good while he was at the top of his game.
2: Sure.
1: Um, so that was fascinating for me. Sorry, I, I, I went on a little bit. There.
2: No,
0: that's excellent. No, I just, I love it. And I mean, it's been such a blessing to hear someone that's, you're our first non-American voice. We had one Canadian. We had one Canadian, and we're pretty similar. we're pretty similar. So it's really yeah, cool I to still, hear. I
1: still don't have a Kiwi accent either, so you know you can tell I'm from the UK. I
0: was gonna say you. I was gonna ask you about that if you kind of have a a weird hodgepodge mix of Kiwi and and uh, in English, but you, you definitely still sound like English.
1: <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah, a, a lot of people back home. I I recently went back home, and they're like, "Oh, you've got a bit of a twang," and I'm like, "I don't hear it." Um... Right. <laughs> but,
0: Do you hey. consider yourself a Kiwi? Or are you are you still? Cause, cause oh,
1: it, that, that's a good question. But no, I consider myself English. Sure. <laughs> um, but I am actually a resident of New Zealand, you know. Um, so me, it's, uh, I'm very blessed to be here. And I love the country, New Zealand. So.
0: And your favorite sports teams, we always like to ask these questions. We've already said your favorite Your favorite rugby team uh, is the rugby side is the Everton Chiefs. That's about a half hour south of where you're from in Tiverton. And then you mentioned... Yeah,
1: excellent Chiefs in Bath,
0: yeah. Yep, Bath and then Everton, which is in kind of the Liverpool area there. Uh, yeah. Maybe four and a half hours or so north, north of where you're from. So I know Everton yep. is kind of fighting relegation, right? You're kind of near the bottom of the <laughs> table. So.
1: They were last season. I was like very, very nervous. Like yeah. I followed them for, oh my god, 25 years plus, and uh, that was the closest that I've been to relegation with Everton. But they're doing all right this term. So they're doing all right this season at the moment. So. I
0: love, I love the, your your football system, the pyramid yeah. essentially. I love the yeah. promotion and relegation. I we, we have a franchise model here in the US where basically yeah, these 30 32 right. teams are set for life and they're not going anywhere. And I think that's for money purposes, but we can that's a whole different topic, right? But I love the performance-based relegation and promotion. And yeah. when I was there, I got to I went to several different levels. Um, mm. I didn't get to go to a Premier League game. We were going to go, we were going to go to a Crystal Palace game, but the 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 yeah. game got delayed because it was like on New Year's Eve, so it it delayed. We had to fly home. I went to a Leighton Orient game, which I think was like on maybe the second or third tier. And then Mm -hmm. I went to a Bath football club, which was way down on like the regional tier. Yeah. 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 That was as an old stadium. And just, you know, a lot of the players are probably regular guys, (laughs) you know, regular guys, you know, playing football. But I just love seeing that. Hypothetically, if Bath wanted to infuse a lot of money, they could move their way up that ladder and someday make it to the Premier League, which I think is really cool, but uh, just, just yeah. love to hear that. We're about to play our game of start bench cut. And so what I'm going to okay. do is I'm going to give you the same three legendary all blacks that I gave Pat Abernathy. You're going to have to start yeah. one bench one and cut oh, one. So I'm asking tough, you to kind of rank man, them, tough. but I'm going to let you, th- I'm going to let you get ready for a second. I'm gonna, our our sponsor that always brings us this segment is the MVP marketing group, a turnkey marketing solution for schools. Go to their website. You'll see a testimonial from longtime hall of fame coach, uh, Joey Florence up there in Denton. Uh, other clients are Celina, Crowley, Mesquite. Basically what Mike Vogler does is he's going to help connect you with corporate sponsors. So if you're looking to make money for your program by having corporate sponsorships, Mike Vogler is your guy. Again, tell him te- tell him you heard about him on the Team Player Podcast. He'll give you a Team Player Podcast discount. But we thank Mike for always sponsoring this segment of our show. All right, coach, here we go. These are the three legendary guys that I found on my studies. But you, if you feel like there should be someone else in this list, you can sub them. the question that i asked pat abernathy episode 16 was start bench cut dan carter richie mccaw jonah lumu oh man who would you start who would you bench? who would you cut dan carter richie mccaw jonah lumu start bench cut
1: all right well i'll just give a little bit of a rundown on each first of all richie mccaw is probably you know one of the most success, successful captains in terms of World Cups, et cetera, and mm-hmm. sort of like competitive matches won in Bledisloe Cups and Championships and in, encompasses everything that an All Black should be, you know? um, Joe Nolomu, he, man, he transitioned the game for being such a massive fella with such speed, you know, he yeah. really kind of transitioned the game of Rugby Union for all shapes and sizes and he was just such a legend in how he played the game and his life was cut too short. And, and he, he, yeah. So he transponded the game for sure. Um, and Dan Carter, the highest points uh, for, for New Zealand. So su- such a great, talented, um, like mercurial. you would do things that actually you'd go, oh, how the hell did he do that? Right. And, right. and it would just be in front of the world watching. So that is really tough. So I would say I'll stick my neck out here. Um, I would say for the way that he took the game forward, I'd say Jonah Loman would be yeah. the start. Okay. Um, and what was the on Bench and cut, did you say?
0: Yes. So bench one and cut one. So
1: oh, cut would be yeah. the worst, of
0: course. <laughs> can I bench two? Oh, <laughs> um, come on, coach. You can do it. <laughs>
1: all right, cool. Um, I love, uh, man, I love Dan Carter. I love Dan Carter, but I would bench Richie McCaw and cut Dan Carter. That's going to be really controversial with a lot of people.
0: When your friends Um, back home in the pub listen to this, they're going to give you some. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I know, man. And I know. And Dan Carter is like, was another one of my idols. But on the grand scheme of things, that's how I feel.
0: I love it. And last thing I want to ask you, I don't know if you've heard of Mount Rushmore here in the United States, but it's a a famous monument to four of our famous presidents. And so I'm asking you for your Mount Rushmore, which would be your top four all time best rugby players. Now if I you can do it either way if you want to just do top four in the world, or if you want to do top four English, whichever you prefer, or both if you want to, but I want you to honor, please, if you could, who do you and it's not maybe the best. Who who are your favorites? Who who's your yeah. who is Stephen Cochram's favorite top four all-time rugby players?
1: Okay. I'm gonna do English because world okay. is so hard. Sure. That um, works. Well I'm I'm gonna go, I've already said about um Johnny Wilkinson. He for me was the epitome of what uh fly half or stand off, whatever you want to call them, should be in the modern game. Um, And just so consistent, so consistent. There's a guy called Jeremy Gusker who had the flair and all the sidesteps and the skills and was just effortless in how he played. Um, Lawrence DeLalio for me, was the grunt and the brawn and, you know, the the blood, sweat and tears and regularly covered in blood on his shirt. Um, And also, and these are all from my era growing up, but you know, there's a guy called Martin Johnson, who was our most famous captain and, and oh, six foot seven, just an absolute yeah. powerhouse and did all the dirty work and the groundwork and the dog work that no one else wanted to do. And, um, you know, such a heart on the sleeve sort of guy that that's what encompasses the English Rose. So those four would be my four that I enjoyed watching and, and sort of getting behind the most.
0: Coach, we enjoyed this so much. If if you enjoyed this episode as much as I did, please take a moment, give us that five-star rating, leave a review if you'd like. This drives us up the charts so more people can hear great stories like this. Hit the follow button to subscribe and hear new episodes as they come out each week. And follow me on Twitter at Coach underscore Kovo. That's Coach underscore KOVO. Hit us up at teamplayerpodcast at gmail.com. We lift up our own inside of Team Player Nation. So seriously, we take uh, recommendations. That's how we get a lot of our guests. Someone says, Kovo, you got to get this guy on the show. And that's how we do it. We just bring up our own here uh, in Team Player in the team player Nation. As always, cover art and music for the Team Player Podcast are provided by two of my former players. The cover art is by Kaiser St. Cyr. And our intro and exit music is a song, One More Good Enough, from Avrion's self-titled debut album. You can find his music on all platforms by searching for Avrion. That's A-V-R-I-O-N. Coach Stephen Cockrum. Thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: James, thanks so much, man. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you so much to all the team players out there for your support, and we'll catch you all down the road.
2: It always feel like I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bump my head. Lost my mind, ensuring them. I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head. Lost my mind, ensuring them. I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head. Lost my mind, ensuring them. I'm just fine. I'm good enough. I'm just fine, I'm good enough. But you be told, I need some therapy. Initially I ain't do it voluntarily, but now. I got a legacy.